0: Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I'm thrilled that you found me. There is power in the name of Jesus. As we journey together, we'll unleash discoveries of how to turn a heart of stone into one of moldable clay for the potter to transform. I hope that you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And folks, periodically we'll delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure and email it to me at copywriting at gmail.com. Once again, that's pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, friends, we're returning to Sermon on the Mount. We're progressing forward in our study. So welcome back. I hope that you enjoyed yesterday's podcast that explored Jesus's teaching on the law. For me, I hope for you, too, that it was apparent we mostly avoid extreme sins, but we regularly commit the type of sins that Jesus was most concerned with. For example... Recall that we avoid murder and killing, yet we may still be angry or harbor hatred within our hearts, or we may make offerings unto God with regular gifts while not being in right relationship with others and with God like we're told to. We may even recognize that God doesn't like divorce, so we stay legally married, but it's sinning against God to not carry out our marriage commitments. And by all means know that any other vow besides covenants is an affront to god in other words it's really irresponsible our word is enough we should just say either a yes or a no and that should be enough and instead of seeking revenge by looking for justice jesus teaches we're to show mercy and love to others So today, friends, we're continuing forward with the Sermon on the Mount teachings, and we'll be looking at anger and at lust specifically. And now these teachings are found, like I said, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26 is what we're going to read first. This is Jesus teaching about anger. He says, You've heard that the law of Moses says, do not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say, if you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the high council. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So if you're standing before the altar in the temple offering a sacrifice to God and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there beside the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Come to terms quickly with your enemy before it's too late and you're dragged into court, handed over to an officer and thrown in jail. I assure you. I assure you that you won't be free again until you've paid the last penny. So Jesus recognized God's law that was given to Moses. The people of Jesus's day and our day today benefit from a fuller explanation of the law. And as we discussed earlier, the law of Moses states, do not murder. And as followers of Jesus, that command should suffice. But our God is loving and merciful and knows that humans desire understanding logic and reason when giving given an imperative or a command so jesus went on to teach the people the why behind god's commands we're not to become angry enough to murder for then we've already committed murder in our hearts And the Pharisees, if you remember, were all about the rules and adding to them. But even the book of Revelation forbids this practice. Specifically, Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19, had this to say And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the prophetic words of this book if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words of this prophetic book, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. So the Pharisees read this law and not having murdered anyone thought they had obeyed it. Ironically, they were so angry with Jesus about his teachings that soon they would be plotting his death So anger is really insidious. When we don't use a proper pressure release valve for our anger, we have a bottleneck of unproductive emotions housed within our minds, hearts, and bodies. Think of this anger as a traffic jam to the good flowing emotions waiting to be expressed and although the pharisees simply plotted planned and found others to execute their evil they too were 100 percent responsible for spiritual murder so i hope you can see here that reading the law is not enough We must pray to have spiritual eyes of understanding. Our eyes must be open to God's intent for the law. While killing is a terrible sin, unless it's wartime or self-defense, anger is also a terrible sin. We need to be sensitive to the effects of anger, not allowing our world to tell us that it's okay. There is a time for righteous anger, but that's not what we're discussing here. When we are angry, we are in direct violation of God's command to love others. This anger is when we're reeling in bitterness towards someone else, possibly for an injustice. Anger is a dangerous emotion. Here's why. It can easily get out of control. And when this happens, a person may act out in violence or perhaps mean-spirited words are said that can never be undone. An emotional hurt is something carried around with us and must be dealt with swiftly and safely. Truly, anger begets more anger. And let me ask you to think through a time when you may have experienced the wrath or anger of another person. Perhaps you handled it like a champ. You were cool as a cucumber. Here's the kicker. You too, most likely had to find an outlet to express it. Now, maybe you're a seasoned pro at venting your feelings through key Bible verses. If so, I applaud you. You may have even snuck in an extra workout more often than not the boomerang effect happens and the ugly emotional anger is transferred to another if we're not fully equipped in diffusing it this places mental stress upon us which can wreak havoc within our bodies it's been said much that happens in our mind can be experienced through our second brain of our gut and anger puts us at risk for spiritual damage Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 puts it this way. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill you. They can only kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And we want to develop spirits that are pleasing to God. James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 further teaches us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Anger can never make things right in God's sight. And Timothy said in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 8, he delineated what's most important by instructing us. Physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is much more important for it promises a reward in both this life and the next. So we must be diligent to develop our spiritual muscles. And self-control is an important first step to overcoming anger. But we must not stop there. Jesus implores us to start with thought control. He always makes a way of connecting the dots for us. You see, when we practice thought control, we won't spiral down out of control into anger. And this is a good place to suggest Bible memorization. Even if you only have one verse memorized, that's okay. By reciting it at the onset of an angry emotion and repeating it over and over again, it will act as the cooling bomb that covers an explosive fire containing it at its origin. Try it. I promise you, you'll have improvements. Over time, you'll be amazed at the shorter duration of anger episodes until one day your body catches up to Jesus' promise from the cross. It is finished. You and me will be set free. We will be the difference makers in our world and in our families, the influencers for the kingdom of God. And anger is an emotion from the evil one. It's not of God. This alone should cause us to have a holy, righteous anger, which God would approve of in this situation. And it's important to have the right heart attitude. Jesus said that we're accountable for all attitudes that we house and collect throughout our journey of life. So I'd ask you now, what is your heart attitude? When we have broken relationships in our life it's not always possible to repair them not because we're not desiring to but because we live in a fallen world a world where egos vie and crave attention or people's pride just plain won't let them say they're sorry for anything they willingly or unwillingly did and when we view our world through the temporal lens that it is, we're given a snapshot of just how short and precious this very life is. So it's important that we approach our relationships with resolution in mind, first and foremost, so that our relationship with God won't suffer. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 reminds us that if someone says, I love God, but hates a brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see, how can we love God whom we've not seen? And Jesus gives us practical advice for resolving our differences with our enemies before their anger causes more trouble. Small misunderstandings are more likely to mend right away. Long drawn-out court battles are not the solution. This only further undermines God's love for his creation. And God desires peace and unity among his children. What if you desire reconciliation, but the other party does not? The number one rule, we're not to gossip about the situation or the person. It only makes matters worse. And secondly, We need to reflect on Paul's teachings in Romans. He tells us to never pay back evil for evil to anyone. We're to do all things in a way that everyone can see and we are honorable. Furthermore, Paul says to do our part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. We're not to let evil get the best of us, but are to conquer evil by doing good. And part of doing good includes doing no wrong to another. Love satisfies all of God's requirements. Instead, we're to do what scripture teaches us in Romans chapter 12, verse 20. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And they will be ashamed of what they've done to you. And it's not that you're trying to make them feel ashamed, but it is hoping that you draw them close to God. And this teaching cuts to the core of our Christianity doesn't it? We need to live like Jesus taught us to love and when we do this, we're willing to forgive. We all have experienced God's grace at some point in our lives and need to be willing to give this grace to others and yes, grace is undeserved favor from God By giving our enemy a drink we're not accusing or excusing But what we're doing instead is we're recognizing them, we're forgiving them, and we're loving them just as Jesus did for us. And this all might need to be done through prayers, but remember God is sovereign and can handle our requests. When the cycle of anger is broken with genuine forgiveness, retaliation goes out the window and relationships are restored with God. Right actions lead us to right feelings. And in the larger sense, we must get all of our relationships right before standing face to face with Jesus. So Jesus goes on to teach us about lust in Matthew chapter 5 verses 27 through 30. Here's what he had to say. You have heard that the law of Moses says do not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust in his eye has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even if it is your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even if it's your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. So Exodus gives us the law of Moses, and one of the commands states, do not commit adultery. The Old Testament was saying that it's wrong to have sex with someone other than his or her spouse. While well, Jesus' teaching explain that it's also wrong to desire or lust for another's spouse, this equates to spiritual adultery. So part of what Jesus reinforced was if the act was wrong, then so too is or was the intention behind the act. And even people who don't quote-unquote cross the line by committing the act break the bond of marriage when they do so in their mind. This trust is significant to the threefold cord that Solomon references in the book of Ecclesiastes. Jesus was condemning impure thoughts in our minds, If the thoughts were acted out, they'd be evil. He was telling us to think about what we're thinking about. And people have attempted to make an argument that if spiritual sin has already occurred, why not go ahead and just commit the act? But there is a difference. First, people excuse the sin won't see the need to stop sinning. And secondly, marriages are destroyed by acts that are uh, are acted out and not just the desires, even though that's a sin as well. It's their thoughtless actions. And third, acting is deliberately disobeying God. And fourthly, the sinner always takes a plus one with them. In other words, it's always more than the sinner who gets hurt. Sinful actions prove to always be more dangerous than sinful desires, which is why they shouldn't be acted out. And here's something to think about pertaining to sinful desire. Your spiritual self is coming under attack from the fallen army, angel army, or the enemy. Sinful desires are equally as damaging to a person's obedience. If we fail to address any lust in our heart, we'll ultimately succumb to the wrong desires, which in turn play out in wrong actions. This breakdown in obedience turns people away from God and God away from his people. When Jesus says to gouge out our good eye, if it causes us to lust, this was a figurative example, not a literal one, because even blind people can lust sometimes for reasons not completely known to ourself we tolerate sin in our own life when this sin is left unchecked it could possibly destroy us so for our sake it's better to remove a bad habit or a possession we've turned into an idol than to allow the sin to bring judgment and condemnation upon us we're told to examine our lives and root out anything that does not belong or is not of god So my hope is that today's podcast has clarified Jesus' teachings on anger and lust, and I hope that you'll join me tomorrow as we look at Jesus' teachings on divorce, vows, and also revenge. And so friends, today if you want to become a child of God, spending eternity in heaven, not elsewhere, I invite you to pray this simple prayer of invitation to our Lord Jesus, repeat after me lord jesus i repent and turn away from my sins come into and take up residence within my heart i believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the sin of humanity at the cross of calvary amen and friends if you prayed that prayer of salvation i believe you were saved and born again spiritually Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you and get into a good Bible-based church to surround yourself with other believers. Now let me be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision that you've ever made. Congratulations and God bless you. One of Priest Aaron's contributions he left for us is this benediction. As you go out into the world, allow me to pray this blessing over you from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. And this prayer encompasses six blessings over your life. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk podcast will air on Wednesdays. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus' unlimited power in our present-day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, how to be joyful, and what love in action looks like, and many more. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on a podcast of adventure and exploration of life together, so please consider joining me. And if you like this podcast, make sure and like and subscribe so you'll get the latest episodes when they become available. And friends, much of today's podcast was referencing my book, The Grace and Peace of God, Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or interesting, you can pick up a copy of the book from my website or Amazon, Barnes and Noble or Dorrance.com. And if you're unable to afford a copy, please write to me and I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. And if you know anyone who may be interested in this material, please share it with them as well. Until next time. Be blessed and recall that Revelation chapter 22 verse 21 says the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen.